Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windor from Monster Magnet. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiska talking. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on VH1 Classic. Hey, everybody, this is your big daddy-o, Gene Hoagland. Hey, this is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar. Hey, man, I had some headbangers. This is Dolo Passion. Hi, this is Carolina Peace, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yow! Hi, uh, yeah, okay, so hey, this is Paul Shortino. How you doing? Formerly of Rough Cut, Quiet Riot, and currently with King Cobra. You're listening to Mars Attack. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mark from Chimera. This is Vinny Apsey from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Damned on Metal Blade Records, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. This is Chris from Fury UK, you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is John Leon from White Wizard, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Giovanni Durs from White Wizard, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah, this is John Schaefer from Iced Earth, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Welcome, one and all, to episode 58 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, 
and we bring to you a triple interview episode. That's right, three interviews. Actually, uh, for the longest time, you guys have been hearing me discuss how, you know, I had a kid at one point last year at the during the middle of last year. I had all these interviews stockpiled, and this is finally the last one that I needed to get out the door. They were all recorded on the same evening in November, and uh, as a result, I'm putting them all out at once because because I want to get them out there. Uh, This will take a huge weight off my back because then I can get on to interviews that I've recently done, interviews with the likes of Vinny Apice, Rex Brown, and Bobby Blitz Ellsworth from Overkill. In any event, I'm getting ahead of myself here. This interview has Chris from Fury UK, John Leone from White Wizard, and John Schaefer from Iced Earth. I got to see all three bands here in Spain, excuse me, uh, during the Iced Earth tour in November, as I mentioned. And, um, you know, I have sort of a history there with the guys from White Wizard. And it was great to meet John Leone in person and Giovanni and everyone else that's currently part of the band. It's cool to speak to everyone and, um, you know, sort of put names to faces and voices to faces and and whatnot, you know, the typical thing. Um, As far as Chris from Fury UK is concerned, he's going to be first up in the interview part of the episode. It's a real quick interview. It's roughly five minutes long, and that's exactly what I said to him. He was uh, handing out flyers at the end of the show. I said, hey, would you mind doing a five-minute interview? And it's just real quick. Uh, Got to joke around with him and his brother. Uh, for a little bit, and uh, got to speak to John Schaefer as well, uh, as I mentioned before, so that was pretty cool. In any event, um, we're going to do the same old, same old here. We're going to play some tracks for you before jumping into the interview segment. Uh, If you've listened to the latest episode of the Mars Attacks radio show, you'll know that we debuted new songs from Kill Devil Hill. We also debuted new songs from Overkill. We also debuted songs from Pharaoh, the new band that Chris Amar has from Control Denied fame. Uh, Also, we played some new tracks off the new Van Halen, some new Corrosion of Conformity, Orange Goblin, and some Monument. Peter Ellis, former lead singer of White Wizard, his new band... The track that we played was called Midnight Queen, and that actually features Richie Faulkner, the current guitarist in Judas Priest. So, real cool song. I've heard that song almost from its inception in demo form and really like what those guys from Monument are doing. Uh, in any event, we're going to get into snippets of some some of the songs that I played, but if you're interested in listening to the radio show that I do, just go to stream A of MarkStriegelRadio.com and um, I help program stream A, but aside from that, what I was trying to get at is that my show airs on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. For those of you in Europe, that is uh, 2 a.m. Central European time on Fridays. Uh, in the U.K., obviously, it's an hour or less, so that's 1 a.m., 
Um, it repeats on Fridays and again on Saturdays. But if there's any confusion whatsoever, just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com. You'll see the replay times right there in the top right-hand corner. And there's also a widget there so that uh, you can listen to the show directly as well. But in any event, go to MarkStriegelRadio.com. Again, Stream A is the one that I help program. Uh, I try freshening up the stream per se on a weekly basis, uh, throw up a few songs on there. Uh, again, some of the songs that uh, that were played during the show have already been uh, played on that stream. Some of the other ones I'll be throwing up there shortly, and I have a great time uh, putting up songs on this stream. And I think we have a, a fairly good you know, mix of things on there. We have more you know, hard rock um, related things during the day for the work hours. And then, you know, for your commute home per se and onward, uh, we have, you know, some of the heavier stuff. And you could also check out uh, Talking Metal Live uh, when they have the live shows on there. If you don't know, Mark Striegel is one of the co-hosts of Talking Metal. Check them out as well. Uh, Also, check us out on Twitter, to follow the Twitter, it is Mars Aries 2005. Uh, in any event, there is a link to that on the right-hand side of MarsAttacksRadio.com. There's also a link to the new Facebook page that we have. Please go to the Facebook page and like us. That could have a very big impact on what we do in the future uh, when it comes to sponsors and other things like that. Uh, we'd like to you know, be able to expand things and maybe do some shows on the road and whatnot. And in order to do that, um, we need to generate some money. There are also a bunch of other cool ideas that have been pitched my way. And uh, we'll see what comes of any of them. We'll see which ones are real, which ones aren't. And, um, you know, just go back to MarsAttacksRadio.com for all the latest regarding the podcast, the playlist, so on and so forth. I also want to mention that the show has just become the newest show added to the Cast Iron Ring. And you may ask yourself, in my best uh, David Byrne impersonation there and doing the the chopping of my forearm there, a la Talking Heads. Uh, Anyway, you may ask yourself what the Cast Iron Ring is. Cast Iron Ring is an alliance, per se, of a bunch of different great hard rock and metal podcasts. If you go to the site, you'll see right off the bat to the right-hand side, there's a rotating list of shows. For example, you have the Shockwave's Hard Radio podcast. Uh, You have Shockwave Skull Sessions. You have Radioactive Metal, Bone Hand Heavy Half Hour, Focus on Metal, Signal to Noise, and Iron City Rocks. And if any of those names sound familiar, if you've been listening to my shows, um, you'll recognize that some of those people, or, or people from these shows, have contributed to the Mars Attacks Classic Albums column. Scott from Focus on Metal, Aaron from Signal to Noise, and Iron City Rocks as well, and John from Iron City Rocks of all form part of the classic albums column. 
so check their shows out. Definitely some cool stuff going on. Uh, let's see what some of the latest uh, podcasts uploaded to here are. We have Radioactive Metal, episode 203. Chuck Billy from Testament. Chuck Billy, we interviewed him way back when. Apparently he discusses the new album that Testament is putting together. An album that they started writing when I spoke to them quite a ways back. Iron City Rocks, episode 143. They have Fire Fist, or I'm sorry, Fire Fist, Jesus. (laughs) Tongue tied. Fist Fight in the parking lot and Murder in the Front Row. They have an interview with them. Focus on Metal has the great and funny Don Jameson, someone that I interviewed way back as well. Fellow New Jerseyan, Don Jameson. So, um, on his wavelength with a lot of the uh, with a lot of the funny, if you say. Uh, before that, they also have let's see, Shockwaves, Hard Radio. They have an interview with Marty Friedman. Would have loved to have spoken to Marty Friedman for the. Um, P-Cell's classic albums column. Obviously, he didn't play on that, but the idea there was to get his interpretation of what it was like to play some of those classic P-Cell's tracks, just like we did with Glenn Drover. So you can go back and listen to his comments there. And before this, it goes back to, well, um, excuse me, Radioactive Metal with Russ Dwarf and... Um, aside from that, they have Iron City Rocks with Phil Dremel from Machine Head. So a lot of cool stuff going on. And, you know, I look at what these guys do and, and, you know, it really makes me jealous. (laughs) A lot of these interviews because they're people that I've been after and, you know, had the good old, uh, you know, you're not big enough card thrown in my direction and, you know, whatever it happens. Uh, I'm just happy that I get to talk to the people that I do. And for the most part, you know, I've never compromised and spoken to people that at least I don't dig what they're doing. And um, most of the people that I speak to, I absolutely love, you know, the music that that they put out. So that's why I love to feature, you know, tracks at the beginning of the episode. You know, I'm sorry if we're going to sort of repeat some of the groups that we had with last week's episode, which was Richard Christie and John Arch, but the albums that we're going to jump into, you know, I just really love these tracks. So, you know, I really think that I need to do my part to help promote them and to get them out there. So, um, without further ado, let's get into a little overkill. This is coming off of the electric age and blitz explained that this is going to be the first single off of the album. This is called electric rattlesnake. Is a virtue. Listen out the seal. Oh, I'm gonna die. 
rattlesnake by overkill had you listened to my radio show you would have heard the whole thing that's just a piece and uh, i think you guys are really going to enjoy the album when it comes out really think it's stronger than ironbound i actually mentioned that to uh blitz when i speak to him onwards to kill devil hill another track that i played in its entirety during my radio show this is voodoo doll one of the tracks that I'm digging the most off of this self-titled debut by Kill Devil Hill. If you don't know who's in Kill Devil Hill, Vinny Apice, former drummer of Black Sabbath, Dio, Heaven and Hell, so on and so forth. Rex Brown from a band called mm, Down and maybe even Pantera. You have Mark Zavon who played in Rat for a Bit and Wasp. And you have Dewey Bragg who played in a band called Pissing Razors a, a while back, and they have an interesting mix of, you know, different styles and everything that sort of comes together and works, in my opinion. So this is Voodoo Doll coming off of their self-titled debut album.
Dog by Kill Devil Hill. Really, really, really like that track. Sound like Larry David there. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Anyway, uh, let's keep things going here. A Little Pharaoh. Name of this track is Castles in the Sky. Once again, this album. I almost said track there. This album features Chris Amar. He was the singer in Control Denied. The project that Chuck Schuldiner put together uh, with Richard Christie, Steve DiGiorgio, and the guitar slips my mind at the moment. But anyway, um, this is the band that he worked with right before he passed away. And I think all of us are waiting for that second album to be officially released. Richard Christie mentioned that. You know, he's working on that, and hopefully it'll be released sometime in the future. Uh, Check out that interview with Richard if you have a chance. Uh, In any event, let's get into Castles in the Sky by Pharaoh.
title, Castles in the Sky by Pharaoh. In any event, let's get into a little Fury UK. I was introduced to them at the show, literally and figuratively. It was the first time I'd ever heard of the band. Um, Although I do believe that I remember seeing their logo on the web somewhere. Uh, What we're going to do is get into the track, I See Red, and then jump into the quick interview portion with Chris from the band, and then come out of the interview with another track by Fury UK.
to Chris from Fear UK and they're out on the road with White Wizard and Iced Earth. Um, how have the show's been going so far uh, with Iced Earth? Yeah, fantastic so far. So far so good. Uh, <laughs> been reaching lots of like different places that we've never been to before and you know and, uh, and the show's been great. The fan reaction's been fantastic you know and especially because we're playing to a lot of crowds that have never seen us right. ever so um the reaction that we're getting is, you know, totally great. So, okay. yeah, thumbs up from us. Excellent. And have there been any standout shows? Anything um, that really comes to mind well, from the tour? There's like a, the London show was really cool for us. You know, sort of like on home territory. And, right. Uh, but the f- opening show in Germany, uh, in Bochum, that was really cool as well. Uh, we've got quite a lot of fans out in Belgium. Um, so when we did Antwerp, that was mm-hmm. a, a really cool show, and that was like one of the biggest shows we did, um, probably so far on the tour. Actually, Antwerp mm-hmm. was probably one of the biggest ones, and we had, uh, you know, before we went on, and there was like just rows and rows of Fury UK shirts huh. on the front. So it was just like, yeah, this is what we want. Excellent. And you guys didn't expect that at all, I take it. Yeah. Well, we knew we had quite okay. a few fans because we played Belgium a few times in the past, but um, uh, but yeah, it was sort of from. From that, you know, from playing a few club shows to suddenly seeing, you know, rows and rows of them in right. the front, it was fantastic to see. Cool. And what's it like for you guys to be on the road with a band that's, you know, as well respected as Iced Earth? Well, I, I've always been a fan of Iced Earth. Um, my brother, who's also the bass guitarist, Luke, um, in Fury UK, it, Iced Earth is his all-time favorite band. Okay. Um, so it's just a, a massive honor for him, you know, and every every day sort of is like more of a dream come to, right. true to him. So, you know, it's absolutely great. That's why he didn't want to talk. He was speechless. Probably, yeah. Well, <laughs> Luke, Luke doesn't like doing interviews anyway. You know, he doesn't, he's, he's always on the spot. He actually admitted that you had more knowledge than him, and it, he had a hard time admitting that. Yeah, that? well, there was, there was times when... Uh, <laughs> There was times when people would say, all right, can we do an interview with the band? And there'd be all three of us um, getting set to an interview and uh, I'll just be doing all the talking and then the interview would be feeling pretty bad because the other two guys right. didn't say anything. So the director, director questioned that hit at one of the other two other guys and then it would be like, uh, I don't know, ask Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, he just figured cut out the middleman. Exactly, <laughs> Okay. Uh, where should people go to find out about your band? FuryUK.com. That's, okay. That's the main one. Um, all the information from you know the back catalogue of the albums, the future tour dates, uh, what we're doing next year after we've done with the tour of Iced Earth, got some more headline shows, probably looking at doing a new album very early next year as well. Okay. So, you know, we never stop. This band is like a workhorse that just never stops. This is our full-time job. We don't do anything when we go home. Right. This is our total concentration. So, um, yeah, FuryUK.com. Fury okay. 
That's where you find the full fist. This is Chris from Fury UK. You're listening to Mars Attacks.
the remainder by Fury UK. Remember Chris saying that this was almost their Freebird. So there you go. Uh, check those guys out. And I want to thank Chris for just doing a spare of the moment interview there. Definitely the shortest that I've done and really couldn't ask for more. You know, show was done. You can't really say, hey, you know, you want to let's go do a in-depth half hour interview. Also, I didn't research anything on the band. Didn't actually know that they were playing. So, I mean, it would be sort of senseless to start, you know, pulling things out of the air. So there you go. Uh, let's get into some White Wizard off of Flying Tigers. Let's play the leadoff track. This is Fight to the Death. And afterwards, we'll get into the interview with Giovanni and John from White Wizard.
the date so far with Iced Earth, you guys have mentioned that they've been great so far. How different is it to tour with a band as big as Iced Earth, excuse me, as opposed to any other band that you've toured with in the past? I mean, for me personally, it's been, you know, just, I mean, it really comes down to the fact they're really good guys. That That's a start. Um, they came right up to us the first day of a tour and introduced themselves. Um, they've been very, very kind and open. Um, they've made sure we're taken care of. The catering's always been great. Um, and that's the main thing, I think, is, is, of course, if a band's got enough, I think what it comes down to is the amount of fans that come, the amount of tickets that are sold means the more catering there is to go around for all the bands. So the opening acts, I think, are able to be taken care of more from that sense. But it, it wouldn't mean anything if the guys weren't just really awesome dudes. And that's right. When, you know, I, I don't know that's what you true. think. I think it's a matter of, like, there are so many aspects you mm -hmm. know, of it. Definitely the personality one is, like, a big part of it because, you know, the guys are kind of assholes. Then, you know, <laughs> you're, you're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now for, like, 36 days? <laughs> And now it's like with these guys, it's awesome. It's like they're very cool guys to hang out to. So yesterday we were hanging out with Freddy outside the bus. It was like amazing. It was like Brent was in the other room, like like Freddy. We were hanging out all together. It was really cool. Very cool people. So we're very lucky. And at the same time, they're they're very businesslike. You know, like like they definitely want you to you know have your shit together. Don't go over your stage times. You know, you gotta you gotta. There's certain rules you need to follow, but um. None of them are outlandish. They're just very businesslike. They've got their shit together, big time. I mean, they, John's got that. It's a very, if anything, for me, it's been a really uh, eye-opening experience to watch someone who's got it together and has been doing it for so long and right. see how he does things. And I've been really paying attention to that. I've been trying to take as much as I can from that because ultimately it's a successful business model. And the dude's been doing, a, gone through a similar thing. He's gone through a lot of lineup changes. He's got a lot of records out there. He's done it his way, and you have to respect that, you know. And ultimately, he's built it up over a long period of time to be where it's at. This is a 20-year process right. we're watching here. You know, we're a baby band compared to that. So you see that, and you go, man, if we could get there even in 10 years, I think I'd be pretty damn happy. It's never going to be Iron Maiden. Those days are over. <laughs> right. But you can do something like this. You can do something like this and be this successful with it. Yeah, hey, I want to have my private plane. <laughs> You're nice. <laughs> You never know, I guess. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that means a singer would have to fly you around, though. I don't know hey. about that. <laughs> I love Mikey, but I don't know about him flying us around. Hey, we can ask for Jake. Yeah, we get Jake, our guitar player. Yeah, he, uh, he likes to drive by Braille, as they say. Ah. He'll be sleeping, and you'll hear, and it doesn't stop. You know, you're like you figure most people just get right. But it's like go 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 for like 15 seconds, and then it finally stops, and you're like, wow, man. And one time we woke up, he was in the full other shoulder. Yeah, he was like the white line was on his left. He was in the shoulder of the freeway going 65. We're like, Jake, what are you doing? He's like, he's kind of out of it. I think he was drifting off. But oh my god, yeah, that was like close call right there. <laughs> you had the wizard looking over your shoulders there. Thanks, uh, <laughs> thank God. Thank God one of us woke up. That uh, was fast. The was last crazy. time that we spoke, there were a few unanswered questions regarding this lineup or what the lineup was shaping up to be. Um, how clear are things at this point in time? There were questions whether Michael would be on board full time, whether... You know, who's going to be handling the guitar duties, things like that. Where do things stand at as of today? 
I mean, I think ultimately, you know, the clarity will come over time. I think that right now, obviously, you know, Mikey has stepped into the role since Wyatt, you know, decided he didn't want a tour, and he's done. This is his third tour now. So as far as his actions goes, he's shown me that he's more into win this time, obviously, and he's sticking with it. For me, words mean nothing anymore. I want to see actions, you know, um, with the luck that we've had with some members who have said one thing, and then, you know, they end up bowing out or bailing out because their woman doesn't want a tour or whatever. And, you know, that's kind of what we've gone through is, is I don't know where we were on the last talk, but as I was saying earlier, we had Louis Steffens and Corey Nagatochi were our guitar players when we did the Forbidden Tour. Um, and I, of course, did the record, the guitars on the record, because Louis didn't fly back from Wales after our November tour, which basically, you know, I ended up shouldering the duties for it because he wasn't back, you know, to do the... Uh, Logistic and bureaucracy. Yeah, we already had the studio book, so that was, that was a, you know, done deal. I had to do it, so I went for it and track the record Lewis is, was kind of on the fence for months you know he had, he had his girlfriend back home his parents in Wales and we needed him to be in LA permanently and it just wasn't working for him we were willing to sponsor his visa and do everything for the him visa was a major thing too because it's like he used like the tourist like visa thing way too long so it's Over like the long. guys were like okay next time you get the visa otherwise you're gonna be stuck in there yeah he never did just it. Like, yeah, he tried to help him, but he ultimately, I think, he fell in love with his girl more. Apparently, he cut his hair recently, and uh, I did. Yeah, he, he just didn't. He just didn't <laughs> want to. Like you know, I think he just was really <laughs> kind of happy. Yeah, happy being with the new chick. So it was kind of like, all right, dude. And, and, and oddly enough, Jake Dreyer, the guy that's with us now, um, wrote me on Facebook literally the day that I wrote Lewis, and I was like, look, you know, you haven't responded to emails for two weeks. We need to get your visa done for this next tour. If you don't have your visa done, you can't over mm-hmm. we have to do fire wind we need consistency um so i was kind of letting him know look you know we're going to keep our eyes open for a different dude it's just been a year and we, we gotta you know move on and lo and behold jake dryer writes me and says hey dude if you ever need a lead guitar player i love your band and i'm just like all right i checked out his stuff he obviously was a freaking awesome player so for me as i've learned over time personality is 90 percent of it right so i had an hour-long conversation with him on the phone and then i had dinner with him and i gave him the gig i didn't even audition him i just gave him the gig <laughs> I was like, you know, you're, you're, I, just, I liked him. I liked, I liked his personality. Right. You know, um, CJ was a last minute replacement. You know, we're still all feeling each other out as we go along. And, and, and whatever happens, I think we've got a good core right now. I think the main thing for us is we've got guys in L- having most of the band in LA finally, because Lewis was over in Wales. You know, Wyatt was in uh, Florida. Was Peter Ellis was over in England. Right. You know, he didn't really want to stay permanently. So we've had a lot of guys that, like, you know, haven't been now Mikey he still stays in Nebraska technically but if we can have four of the dudes at least the musicians in LA and we can just fly in Mikey for one-off shows and for small tours and stuff right I'm fine with that until he can permanently get out to LA we still have to compromise to a certain extent I'd love to have everybody in LA don't get me wrong right so we can work that market you know Steel Panthers cornered that market there's no reason why we (laughs) couldn't get out there and get a chunk of that but ultimately like you know it's gonna be a killer show man yeah, I hope we play with them. It's amazing. Every week those guys pack the house, man. It doesn't matter what fucking week it is, man. On Monday nights, too. Well, I mean, there are lots of people in LA, man. There is. That helps. But, I mean, ultimately, it's amazing that a band could be doing it for 10 right. years, the same shtick over and over, and manage to have that consistent draw. That's what blows my mind. Just to right. do it as long as they've done it. See a band do it for yeah, a month or get like a 10 grand tonight. That's and and they're no slouches either because you know uh anyone that knows about the band obviously satchel is russ Parrish who 
played in uh, Rob Halford's fight. So when you hear Into the Pit by Fight, that's him soloing. And just seeing some of the stuff that they do, I mean, there is that shtick, but their musicianship is... You know, 100% on with everything that they do. They they bring it to the table. Yeah, so. the guitarist and singer also had a band called Atomic Punks. Right. The best Van Halen cover band you'll ever see in your life. They used to, you know, open with, like, Dead or Alive and just kill a song. <laughs> they did them to a fucking T. I mean, I've mm-hmm. never seen guys pull off Lee Roth-era Van Halen like that. Like, I was like, damn, this is really fucking good, you know? So nothing but respect. I mean, they're, they're fantastic musicians. The whole band has got their shit together. That's why they've gotten where they have, but, you know. Still, 10 years every freaking week. Yeah. Packed house. Monday. Yeah. Monday funniest thing, the f- two funniest things I've seen from them is seeing them have Pink up on stage with them, sing Sweet Child of Mine, oh, wow. and have Satchel say, wow, um, you sung that almost as good as Jessica Simpson, and seeing her reaction, and then having George Lynch and Jeff Pilsen up on stage with them, playing, I think it was... Um, was breaking the chains or just got lucky or something like that and satchel saying um i love those songs but my favorite motley Crue song is home sweet home (laughs) and you know it's just great that they also have that rapport to pull that off and and know how to do that yeah for sure they're funny ever since uh flying tigers has come out and with the various uncertainties that we've talked about have the creative juices been flowing for John Leone? Have you thought about what's beyond Flying Tigers, or are you just waiting to further establish the band with this album before heading back and maybe even contemplating doing anything with this lineup? Well, I've already got a song I wrote for Mikey that I think is one of the best things I've ever written. So, yeah, I did, I did get on a tear you know, over the summer, and I wrote a couple of things. I also demoed a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't dove into those yet. I probably will during the off time. I'm, I'm hoping to have a couple of months after this tour to kind of relax at home and work on demos. So, yeah, I'm always creating. You know, I, to be honest, I'm going to probably start working on a solo record. Um, I might even start working on a couple of different projects just for myself. I, I'm into so many different forms of music. You know, I'm into everything from, you know, I love flamenco, gypsy guitar, and all that kind of stuff. I love Middle Eastern music. Um, I love a lot of, you know, just different kinds of stuff i love everything from the cure and jeff buckley all the way to jazz and you know blues and you know alternative and i love pop and right. vinyl collections pretty varied so i kind of want to venture into some other realms besides the metal genre i guess and I, i'm still going to focus on white wizard it's my main thing but um i think i just on the side i want to start studio demoing and just kind of having some fun and diving into some different uh you know, influences. Maybe go to a beach in Hawaii for a week and just get a flamenco guitar and, you know, a little recording set up and just, you know, just see what comes out of it. Right. Type of thing. You know, I kind of just want to venture into some different areas that I can't really go into with White Wizard, you know. And ultimately, right. it's been such a... It has been a drain on me emotionally, this band. It's been very, very difficult for me to maintain through all this and, and keep it going. And I think a part of me has that want of escapism a little bit, to be, to be honest. Right. To just do something that has nothing to do with all of the the drama and just bullshit attached to what I've gone through with this band. You know, sometimes that haunts me. You know, I try, I mean, I try, I'm moving on and positive and everything, but it still seems, that there's always those lingering aspects, and I look forward to the day where we can finally kind of take a deep breath and you don't have those lingering aspects there. You know, mm-hmm. it's definitely, psychologically, it's something that when you already mix how difficult it is to make a band, <laughs> and how difficult it is to to try to make it be successful, just from a financial standpoint alone, and, and, and 
trying to, 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 you know, find a way to make it work and seeing a future in it, so to speak, to where you don't feel like you're just going to keep spinning your wheels year after year, you know, because right. anybody wants to do that. I sure as hell don't want to. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough, you know, and you're always you're always torn between, you know, I mean, wherever it is that you're happy in life, you know, I've got a happy life in L.A., you know, he does too. He lives in a nice place close to the beach. His, you know, his parents have an amazing place in Italy. There's times where you, you long for that when you're right. on the road. You're like, man, fuck this. Um, <laughs> like, you're, you know, it's like those times when you're laying there and dudes are being asses and they're making a bunch of noise and you can't sleep and you're hungover. You feel like crap. You feel like you're getting sick. You know, the road's all bumpy and you're just, you, know, you got a headache and you're thinking to yourself, why in the freaking hell am I doing this? You know, like <laughs> you get to those moments of kind of disparage, you know, it's, 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 I think everybody does. Um, and I, I'm, I love being a gypsy and being on the road, so it's it's not it doesn't happen to me all the time. But I, I have those pockets, you know, that I get into on any tour. I think right where I'm kind of like, and then I have these pockets where it's very euphoric, and I'm like, this is all I want to do the rest of my life. So it's that constant, you know, push and pull that you <laughs> right. go through. You know, where, where you're like, you're just, you know, you, you try to find some zen in the middle of it and try to to hang with it. So I think for me, you know, I, I think maybe having some other conduits creatively will help me kind of balance that out a little bit. So I'm, cause the last few months I've been so immersed in the way Wizard Men, just from the, from the album mm-hmm. and then from everything that's happened since then. Just, you know, the line of things with Lewis, Corey, the last minute was really tough on us because that was quite, quite insane. Actually. I, 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 I still can't believe we did it. Like we made it. We made that it was survive. like last minute, but very last minute. Like a matter of like a day, and then we were leaving. It's like it was ridiculous. Yeah, if I hadn't had CJ learn those songs, funnily enough, when when things were working out with Lewis, CJ had mentioned that he was interested in the band, and he he played bass for Written in Blood, I believe the band was. And he, uh, he but he's a great guitar player, and he was like, hey, you know, I, I'm interested in the band, so we'll you know, learn some tunes just in case you never know. And right. Jake Dreyer didn't come into the fold, so we were like, well, we got this guy, Jake Dreyer. You know, he's local. He was in, CJ was in Florida at the time and, and still technically lives there. He's going to try to move to L.A. and see if he can make that work after this. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was like literally when Corey did the last minute, my wife's going to, you know, take my kid and sue me. I can't do these tours. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, literally was this long email, just like kind of why it didn't do us, just last minute, like, right. sorry, guys, you know, tours booked. Oh, shit, what do we do? And, um you know, CJ came out, and luckily he had learned those songs before, so we already had four or five down. He was able to learn the rest, and by the time we went out with Firewind, um, we had a pickup gig in Texas we were able to get our feet wet a little bit with, and, um, you know, we, we actually had managed to, to pull it off, which was great, and it felt really good because we thought we weren't going to, you know, be able to do that, and um, that, was, that was nice, you know. So now it's and pretty much all we've been doing since then is touring. I mean, literally, Corey bailed out. It was a huge clusterfuck, and then, you know, we got CJ in, and literally we've been on the road since. So it's just like, there was this huge last epic... Epic. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's been like that all year. You know, I mean, I remember him and I, when Wyatt wrote, remember when he wrote his letter? I was like, I remember, because we, we, we were supposed to have rehearsal. Mm, and, we and I was at rehearsal space, and now you call, and he's like, bad meeting. <laughs> like yeah, rehearsals canceled. What's going on? We're getting some booze. Band meeting. So he knew it was bad as soon as you know it's like, and it was pretty much a designated you know let's get drunk and deal with it night you know. And, and oddly enough, I emailed Mikey that night, didn't I? I think yeah. while we were drinking, I kind of was just like, hey, what's going on, you know? And, and um, 
apparently his other project was done, so he was fully available. And I was like, well, guess what? You know, there may be a second chance on this. And he came out and flew out to do the Forbidden Tour, and we worked something out there at last minute. And um, so far, it's all worked out. You know, he's a great singer, so, uh, you know, hopefully over time, it's something that everybody can maintain together. You know, because there's not... The one downside is, you know, and I think everyone's frustrated with it, is, you know, merch sales are down in Europe. We didn't get a lot of draw with Firewind. They weren't drawing as much as everybody hoped. So you don't sell that much merch. And when you don't sell that much merch, then people don't really make much pocket money at the end of the tour. And you have to use the money to spend on everything else. And the thing is, is we still are trying to get ahead of the game, even having a couple, three grand in the business account just to make more merch and be ahead of the game with merch, as opposed to constantly behind it trying to pay the label back. You know what I mean? Right. That, that alone, I think, is, is one of the biggest stresses for us right now to get to that point because we want to make it profitable. But it's tough, you know. Mikey, Mikey's got a couple of kids, you know. Um, I can see why guys bail. Even with Wyatt, as much as I think the way he went about it was kind of uncool because he did it so last minute and he kind of said he wanted to come back and I wish he kind of wouldn't have, you know. Right. Um, I mean, I understand. Like, you know, you get a job paying 50 k a year and, you know, you're, you know, his health doesn't hold up the best on the road. He doesn't have a lot of stamina. And, and I'm sure when he looked at his situation and was like, I got a great job, got a woman cooking for me every day, you know, I know that my voice has a hard time holding up over, you know, weeks and weeks on the road, you know, um, he probably was just kind of like, you know what, I don't want to do this. I mean, mm -hmm. should he have come to that conclusion far before, three weeks before a tour? Yes, when his flight was already booked. But at the end of the day, you still can't, you know, ultimately, this is not for everybody. You right. Know? And, and also guys meet women and they they just may have a change of heart. You know, Corey, you know, his, he's got his family dynamic and his woman obviously laid the, 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 <laughs> like the law down. down yeah. <laughs> she, we men, man. We men. Well, women have been, would you say that the woman, the vaginal caverns, as we like to call it, yeah. many, many guitarists have fallen into those over the last couple of years for us. <laughs> they got lost anything, in there. Lost. The, the vaginal caverns never to return, possibly. Which has happened to a lot of great guitar players. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, after <laughs> drugs... I think that, that falling in love, or what, what they think is love, perceived as love, or knocking a chick up accidentally, right. has been probably the death of many a great guitar player and or musician in general. And I think we've probably had four or five guys that we've had some version of that. Right. It's mostly been guitar players over the last couple of years. I mean, Chad, it started with him with down, right before Download. He's like, hey, I, I'm, I got, you know my girl pregnant we were like oh wow you know and then he ended up having to move to the uk with him right and so it was almost impossible for him to really continue on with the band so that was number was one problem and then we had lewis wyatt and we still think Wyatt, you know partially because then he got to back together with his woman and she didn't right i think we, we, we theorized she wouldn't even be on the tour so you know and then lewis of course got engaged and then Corey's woman threatened to sue him so we've kind of got this thing with it's four right there right now it's like <laughs> ah you know like they have a devil, you know, and uh, not that we don't, you know, I mean, we love girls, but at the same time, <laughs> I guess it's just dudes that kind of don't have a resilience or constitution to deal with it to a certain extent, so they yeah. end up, you know, they're in trouble, sure. they end up hanging the guitar up, and yeah, we call it balls on the mantle, right? Balls on the mantle. They put them in the jar, and they put them up on the mantle, it's a woman's <laughs> trophy, she's got them up there, and that's it. You know, there's always the ego posturing, I think, with the guy and the girl over the guitar and his life he used to have and what she wants out of him then and the attention. And it doesn't usually work out very well. And sometimes at first it does because they're all enamored with the fact they're in a band. But then once they reel them in, 
all of a sudden it becomes an issue. An issue. Yeah, I had that happen with local bands that I've played in, so. First step is usually, why don't you play more ballads? And the next step is, I don't want you in the band, so. There you go. That's funny, two questions. Why don't you play more ballads, and then I don't want you in the band anymore. Steps one and two, it's uh, a two-step process. (laughs) Doesn't take much, man. Um, So something that we touched about previously, you mentioned that, you you already have one song written. Can you envision putting this out a la Shooting Star and saying this is the band with Michael Gremio, this is what you're going to see live and maybe throw in a cover or throw in maybe even re-record uh, you know, High Speed GTO or one of the more We've talked you know, known that. tracks? Yeah, I, I would like to do that. It's really going to be the label's call at this point, um, what they want to do. It's kind of a tough time for the label because Wyatt's kind of done this to him twice and they have viable product they sell well with Wyatt on it. Right. To be honest, I think that, you know, they have made the mention of this, they're fine with this being a studio band, I think, only because they know they have viable product they can sell with Wyatt. I personally think once once Mikey's singing my vocal melodies with my producer like Wyatt is, I think personally that he's going to do an even more stellar job. I think that it's just, you know, a matter of the label being able to get behind it and put it out. I think the Flying Tigers is still relatively new being out. They probably want to get as much out of that as they can. Right. This song that I've written, I think, will blow, like, just blow doors. It's fucking fantastic. It's written for Mikey, his vocal style. All the vocal melodies I wrote really fit with the way he sings well. And I'm, I'm going to have, you know, Jake Dreyer on there just doing, you know, shredder leads. I mean, I, I played... 80% of the leads on the new record. My producer played a couple too, but I played most of them. And, and though I think they serve the songs well, I also played the lead on 40 Deuces um, from the last record. And I, I love that lead. But ultimately, guys that are looking for virtuoistic, shreddy um, technique and just, you know, over the top great guitar prowess, that's not really my thing. I play mm-hmm. with feeling and I serve the song, so to speak, but I, I'm not, uh, you know. I'm a bass player that plays guitar more than I'm a guitar player that plays bass. You know, right. And writes on the guitar. Um, and I've gotten better over time, and I'm, I'm really happy with the results from the record. I've put a lot of effort into it to, you know, to record that record. Um, and I've gotten better, you know, just because I play my Flying V, like, all the time. Usually when I'm home, I play guitar. I don't play much bass. I play bass live, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll write bass lines for the songs after I write the guitar parts. Um, so that, I think, you know... Has, has led me to a point where now I think on guitar I've got a better flow and this song that I wrote I think has really really got like some amazing parts and it's really really good it's got a great chorus it's got cool lyrics um, and I think Mikey will sing the shit out of it plus we'll have Jake on there it's really got a really driving fast kind of vibe to it it's definitely a kick in the teeth type of song which is what right. I want to come out with because Shooting Star if anything was um, a 180 from and that's why I didn't include it on the top because it was so different Right. So, and I love the piece of music, and so when I when I got those lyrics for Dio, you know that I wanted to write, I just you know wrote them on the plane, and I was like, you know, I was bummed out about what had happened, and I, it was you know right when we were going to download, actually, I think that I wrote the lyrics for that song, and um, you know, I just love the piece of music, but I think a lot of people were kind of like, you mix Peter Ellis on there, which a lot of the fans were really nuts about at the time, they were grumbling a lot about it because why it was freshly gone, plus that song wasn't really kicking in the teeth, it was kind of more you know if anything commercially friendly maybe right. you know like an early Def Leppard kind of vibe more than you know than that you know what I mean so like I think people even though we had a lot of people that loved that song we got a lot of backlash for it backlash for it too mm-hmm. so I this time I kind of consciously want to you know do something that's really really like powerful kind of like you know make that statement song so to speak like hey you know 
here we come with the fuck out type of thing. Right. I think this song does that. We've talked about, we'll be talking about for the cover, Family Ghost by King Diamond. Yeah. Or the Oath by Merciful Fate. That's wrong with that. Some, something King Diamond. We're, we're King Diamond nerds, the whole band. <laughs> Love them. It's funny because uh, Shooting Star, because of uh, Giovanni's part, always reminded me of either early Dio or Dio era Sabbath. Because the way that he rides the uh, the ride symbol reminds me very of uh, Vinny Appice's playing. So it's always had like yeah, Vinny is the man. Okay, I think Vinny and Lombardo are two really big influences on him, and you can hear yeah. him playing. I mean, he loves those two guys. Yeah, Lombardo was my main influence. That's why I started playing drums. Actually, mm-hmm. I was like really into his playing. I mean, besides layers like Grip Inc., like Phantomas, like the right. stuff that he does with those guys, like out of control. Yeah, that first, like, it's first not just game. about like the thrash beat. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the 360 guys. Like he has it all. He's like has cool grooves and everything. It's like it's awesome. So I'm trying to put some Lombardo in the White Wizard, man. <laughs> yeah, nobody mentions Grip Inc anymore. I thought that first album they did, Power Gunner Strength, was incredible. Right, Passage to Heaven, dude. That song was insane. I remember when that album came out. And I got that. I was like, this is the most amazing song ever. Like that whole just the drumming in that is. The Dave was basically. Showing the world he still had it on that right. song. It was like, wow, dude, it's so good. And I remember I was I was really into that band, man. I really thought they were pretty awesome, you know. Especially from the drumming and guitar standpoint. I thought that guitar player was really good. And of course Lombardo was insane. But no one talks about them. They kind of just fell off the planet like a couple records and then it was a good band. Yeah, I remember a lot of hype around that when that came out. Definitely got played a lot. Um Back home, back in Jersey, because of WSOU, and play the crap out of that. Um, as far as the set list is concerned, um, is does the set list rotate at all? Is it more or less fixed for you guys? How difficult is it to pick the songs that you guys are playing? You know, we we narrowed it down partly because we had to bring CJ in, which was, you know, with Corey bailing, we only had so many songs to work with. So we basically rehearsed nine songs. We've got in the arsenal that we can play right now that we feel comfortable doing. We've got, you know, the first four songs from the new record, basically. So you've got, you know, Fight to the Death, West L.A., Star Child and Flying Tigers, which Star Child and Flying Tigers get played more than anything else. We've been doing those two pretty consistently, mm-hmm. though every now and then we do fight instead of Star Child if we have a shorter set. So tonight is actually going to be fight to the death instead of Star Child. But Star Child's going to be amazing live. We've got it, we've got it down pretty damn good now. It took a little yeah. time to get to Sea Legs, but it's been really, really pumping, and the yeah, crowds like, have been reacting. It's a little bit of a new kind of thing for us, you know, mm-hmm. like the ballad kind of genre. Right. It's very slow, so you you know you have to be in the pocket and everything. So we we managed to for do sure. It, so it comes out very nice, and people actually respond like very well to it. Mm-hmm. They're very pumped about it. That's fu- hmm? No, I was going to say that's funny because that reminds me of early Def Leppard. Um, mm-hmm. Star Child reminds me a lot of like a bringing on a heartbreak type. Yeah. Song. That's I love that stuff. I love those early Def Leppard ballads, of course, Dio era Sabbath ballads. I mean, that's those are some of my favorites, you know, for sure. But yeah, then we're doing what are we doing? Goddess, Iron Goddess of Vengeance, Iron Goddess. over the top, and then the four that we have to do over the top forty deuces. So yeah, those are the three. Yeah. Do <laughs> if you don't do those, then you know, yeah. no problems. <laughs> West LA is probably the song that's gotten the most mileage on my shows. So. 
We like it. It's actually pretty. It's fun, funnily enough, probably one of the most difficult White Wizard songs to play. Is it? Especially on drums. It's it's, it's a very, workout. Very muscular for, for drums because it's like it's, it it doesn't seem to be very difficult. It's not difficult. It's pretty straight, but it's very like continuously playing sixteen like eight notes on my mm-hmm. right hand like con- constantly. So at the end of the song, I have my arm pumping. <laughs> it's like oh my god, it's like crazy. So it's like it's also hard it's to, to sing. It's a very fun song to play, though. It's a cool song because it brings me back to the first time I heard it. The first thing that it reminded me of was the video for Wasted Years. Oh, wow. Because it almost brought back a lot of memories of, like, 87, you know, like, Maiden, like, Priest, like, Motley Crue. I remember being a kid watching all of you. I remember when I bought Somewhere in Time, man. Yeah. So that song always every time that i listen to it you know there's always like memories of like flashbacks to that period that's a song that could have perfectly fit in then but at the same time it's very relevant today yeah i like it i definitely going in the studio was one of my favorites and coming out it was it's kind of one of my sleeper tracks i think that and my train to tokyo are two of my yeah my favorites that you know just are you know i don't know just have an attachment to the songs we want to play you know everything i'd love to play night train i'd love to play i love the second half of the record but you know, we can only do so much. Those those nine songs are pretty much, <laughs> we're picking from those. You know, I mean, we're pretty much doing that. We only have done West L.A., I think, once or twice since we've been out. Yeah, that one hasn't been played much. Day. The other eight have been played pretty consistently. Yeah. So just because it's, I think we need to get some more stamina on it and play it a few <laughs> times and just really practice the hell out of it. It's, it's right. one of my favorites, but it's also one of the most difficult, for sure. To play it tight the way it needs to be played, I think, is tough. And, you know, if, if that's one of those songs, too. If we're pumped up, you know, sometimes you naturally speed stuff up live. If we speed that up live, it's just like, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, it's one of those songs, too. It needs to be in the right place in the set. And, you know, it's got to be, you know. So we'll do it, but I think on this tour, it's, it may have been retired after the last show we played on here. <laughs> kind of like, you know, let's, let's, let's work on that back home and practice. I mean, we're not doing more than seven songs a night on this tour. And to be honest, the, the, the two sets that we do are either... You know, the one that we've been doing mostly, which is Over the Top, 40, Celestina, Starchild, Goddess, Flying Tigers, and GTO. That set really works well. Mm-hmm. On a short really night, one. we do what? We pull out it Goddess gives and gives you, like, a lot of dynamics mm-hmm. to, the, to the set. For sure. It starts, it kicks off really well. Mm-hmm. Then it goes into mellow. <laughs> For sure. Then it kicks back in. It's good stuff. So, with the music endings. How feasible, or should I say, um, better yet, can we expect to someday see uh, Starman's Son played live in its entirety? I'd love to. I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I think it's, for me personally, just it's on a personal level. Right. It's my favorite thing I've ever written. But ultimately, I'm into all that progressive stuff. You know, Rush and Genesis and King Crimson and Nectar. I'm into all that old progressive music man you know like that's that's really some of my favorite music ever i'm a huge opeth fan i love them because of their progressive elements because he's a huge camel fan and he loves all those those old progressive bands and you can really hear it um so that's my favorite kind of stuff so really that's just to be honest that's kind of in my opinion kind of like just a a starting version of what i'd like to do on the progressive side with the band i'd like to have a balance of both sounds you know with the band to be able to experiment with more progressive elements but at the same time still write just hooky cool songs which I like to do too you know I love both um, and I think the band is, is can co- totally get away with it I think I think we get away with it on the record and that was right. kinda, when I did it it's funny when I, I was 
remember I was sitting in the hot tub at my complex and I was questioning myself whether or not I should do the epic or not, whether I should just maybe take four of the best of those songs and make them their own thing, you know, because I had the whole lyric concept written out and it was just one of those things where it was almost like you, you want to smash the whole thing and just put it back <laughs> together and do it differently. Right. And, um, and you know, I was just kind of, you know, you always question yourself like, well, you know, and I, I think I just finally said, you know, is this what I really want to do? And I was like, yeah, then stop questioning it and just do it, you know, and like, I also wanted to have the windows of creativity be able to be explored whatever direction we want to go with in the future without having to pigeonhole us. If we write a right. top part two, we just do that again, then we're always just a new album, you know, like throwback band. Everyone's just going to expect that every time we put a record out. And we're just going to be like pigeonholed like a Saxon or one of these other bands that can really do another sound, you know, right. except or whatever. I don't want to, I think we're, we're we, we allow ourselves to have a more open um, vibe than that. So and I think we've, we've, we've opened more doors for the future for ourselves, basically. Right. Yeah. How difficult is it for you guys to get the perfect gear outside of the States? Well, it was, was really difficult, actually. We, we hired a company from Poland that ended up getting us some gear that had some problems and also a driver that was unbelievably difficult to deal with for the band. And, um... We ended up having to go outside. Jake has an endorsement through Bogner already and was able to find some gear that way. I found a company in Belgium, and we kind of last-minuted it and, um, and, and found some spots to get some better heads. It's still not our gear, um, right? but, but we definitely improved on the gear as we've gone along. So I'm, I'm happy about that fact. But, I mean, it's always difficult because ultimately it's also a cost factor involved. Right. And, um, you know, we're not, a, we're not a rich band right now. As I was saying, you know, we're, we're struggling on merch right now. I'm just, you know, struggling to survive this tour. So whenever you factor in gear, sometimes you really don't have a choice. And ultimately, hopefully in the future, we'll have more, be able to buy everything we want and store it here and be able to come to Europe like some bands right. do and have all of our gear waiting for us in a storage unit somewhere. And if we end up touring that much and go back and forth at a point where it makes sense. But And then drums. I mean, this poor guy. <laughs> it's That's a nightmare. Drums is a nightmare. I wish I was playing on it. Hey, this is Giovanni Durs from White Wizard, and you're listening to Mars Attack.
White Wizard with West L.A. Nights, one of my favorite tracks by the band, definitely my favorite song off of that album. Mentioned that during the interview track that's gotten the most traction on any of my shows. So uh, I want to thank John and Giovanni for taking part in that part of the show. Uh, unfortunately, White Wizard had to end up dropping off of that tour. Uh, merch is so important uh, to keep a band out on the road. And in this case, things were a bit difficult on their end. At least that's uh, what I read online. I haven't spoken to John or anyone from the band since. Uh, Hopefully they get back on the road at some point in the future. They did release a really cool cover of Led Zeppelin's The Immigrant Song. And um, hopefully they offer that at one point in the future. It's on their um, Bandcamp page, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, check out all the good stuff related to White Wizard. And what else? Up next, we have uh, John Schaefer from Iced Earth. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of questions. You know, how's Stu live? You know, what can he do? Uh, A lot of people are very happy with with Stu's uh, singing. He can pull the Matt Barlow stuff off. He can pull the Ripper Owen stuff off. So, as almost the added treat here, uh, when I was at the show, I picked up Dante's Inferno 2011. Let's get into a little bit of that before jumping into the interview with John Schaefer. Fiery caverns we say Virgil at my side, my guide and master Questing through the nine planes of hell Infernal wisdom shall fill my soul Slowly now visions of my journey entrance me to limbo
fans say that Dystopia is the best album that the band has done in a very long time. Right. Um, would you concur with that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a great album. Really, it's, I'm I'm really happy with it. I think we we've, we've done a lot of great albums. So, and a, a lot of albums have been very successful. So, I mean, you know, it's. But I think you're right. It's the diehards, and uh, and the it's just. You know, I'm more I'm re-energized, man, and the and from a writing standpoint, I was a lot more focused than I have been in, in quite a while, probably since the Glorious Burden. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, the last two albums, I had I lost three family members in the in the middle of the writing process, like in a year time. Right. It was like you know, like every four months there was a major tragedy, and I was it really fucked with my head. For yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was really hard to kind of focus, especially towards the end. I mean, by the time my sister passed away, I was in pretty deep in the crucible thing and um i was just like man i can't believe this is happening you know i mean and so it was it was hard for me to focus and i hear that record and i can actually tell i mean i can tell right. arrangement decisions and stuff which are very important that i actually can tell that i would have never done had i been really on point so, right yeah. okay but uh, but you know I, th- I think this is a great record man and uh Stu brought a lot of fresh energy to the band and um, but like I said, for me, the, the real, from the writing standpoint, the deep stuff, it's, it was just a, you know, ever since I had what I call my awakening about a lot of things that are going on in the States and stuff and what Sons of Liberty it led to that, that whole was a, it made me come alive and it really mm-hmm. changed my perspective a lot on, on a lot of things. And so that was probably the biggest factor in terms of being, you know, a focus to the point iced earth, you know, on the attack again, kind of right. an attitude and then Stu coming in also, obviously, lifted it to another he brings a lot of positive energy into the band which is great i mean it's great for me it's a good it's a good balance i mean i love the kid man he makes me laugh a lot (laughs) so we have a great time together and uh and he's always just he's so happy to be here and it's really cool to have that kind of a you know that that kind of exuberance and excitement you know coming from him from somebody Mm -hmm. else in the band to be really you know into it and committed and it's been a long time since we've had that so it's really cool cool uh did you set out to purposely do something with this album did you have a goal to say you know what similar to what you're saying now i'm recharged i want to oh, show yeah, the world for sure it was like iced earth is back you know we're, we're back and that was uh that was the plan you know before matt had decided to leave i mean i was already planning that this you know we're gonna I'm, i got my shit together now you know the last 10 years i mean ever since the 9-11 thing happened um, and after, you know, Matt left and we had the fiasco with the glorious burden and the whole thing, it was just like, it hasn't really, 
felt right. And I've been pretty disconnected from Ice Earth. I mean, frustrated on a lot of different levels from business stuff behind the scenes to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So it's just, it, it really is a, it's a, a rebirth of, of the original attitude and, and uh, drive that I, that I had so many years ago to make this thing happen. I think, I think we got a chance now to really take it. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a few albums. But uh, we got a great band together, a great lineup, and the chemistry is awesome. I mean, we we just are like brothers, you know. And it's we laugh our asses off all the time, and we have we have a really good thing. And I think that we have a chance to take this farther than it's ever gone. So you know, we're and we're hitting, we're doing serious touring now. You know, we're acting like a band's supposed to act. So okay. that's a that's a cool thing. You know, we're we're actually going out. We're going to markets that we've never really even dreamed of playing, like China and India huh. and Thailand. And you know, we're hitting a lot of. Australia, New Zealand, hope, hopefully New Zealand. I'm working on that now, but so it's cool. It's really good. Cool. <clears throat> With the recording of the album, did you set out, or I shouldn't say, should you set out? Did you try something different this time around in the studio as opposed to in the past? Um, in the it's probably since uh, before horror show, I kind of went back to that more stripped back. Um, I want my goal was to make it very aggressive and very punchy and very tight. So one of the things I did was really focus. We focused Jim and I focused on the uh, the rhythm section. Um, my rhythm guitar was a lot cleaner than it has been since the horror show album. I started mm-hmm. using more gain on that record and, and even a little more with the glorious burden. And I think um, the way that I play rhythm guitar, it it actually is punchier on the really fast stuff if you use a cleaner tone. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things between you know that and the, the cool uh, bass guitar sound and the drum sound that we were able to achieve. That it was really my goal was to make this like just a really hard hitting record. And to the point, you know, not, right. not like a whole lot of theatrics and everything. I mean, I've kind of been in that mode for a while and it felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Obviously it was because the, the, uh, the real diehards are definitely reinvigorated. I can see it since we started this tour. You can see it. They're like, right. they're like really excited, you know. So it's cool. It's good. Cool. And you mentioned Jim. What <clears throat> does he bring to the table? Uh, Jim is. Uh, I mean, he's my partner in crime, man. He's more like when we are as a production team. I uh, I rely on Jim for a lot of his theory knowledge. The fact that he's an amazing engineer and he's fast, you know. And when we have the tight kind of budgets that we do, mm-hmm. it's very helpful. Um, and, you know, he's a great, he's, he's just a great, like, outside looking in, probably one of the very few, probably the only person I trust on that level, his opinion as much. I value Jim's opinion. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't always see eye to eye because I'm a metalhead and Jim comes from the school, the, the Beatles and, you know, like a lot of the <laughs> early 70s prog rock right. and Genesis and that kind of stuff. But that's what makes it cool because it's a different look into, and sometimes, you know, we may butt heads on if a vocal take is sharp or if it's not. And I'm like, dude, the attitude's there. I don't give a fuck. Cause he's got super <laughs> sensitive ears, you know, right. and his, his, he's like a, like a, uh, it's amazing the pitches that he can hear, but most of the people can't, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so sometimes we get into those kind of a, a battles. I'm like, dude, the take is killer. Let's just leave it. You know, it doesn't, right. you know, but, uh, we work great together, man. I mean, I love, he's, he's like, he's the godfather of my child. And he's uh-huh. his family, you know, totally. We, bring, we we have a personal thing that goes beyond the relationship in the studio, but right. the the chemistry that we have, we just worked together for so long, but we had the chemistry right from the beginning. You know, sometimes you just you're simpatic with people mm-hmm. when it goes, and uh, and and Jim and I have always been that way. So we 
spent many, many hours and years together and working, you know, late into the night and we achieve a lot when we work together. Okay. Yeah. And how do you decide what's Ice Earth, what's Demons and Wizards and what's Sons of Liberty? Is there ever a time where you say, shit, I'm going to hold this for this yeah. album or? Mm, really when I'm focused on a project, it's kind of devoted to that specific okay. thing. I mean, the biggest thing I would say with Demons and Wizards is um, if I automatically hear vocal parts, you know, like I'm working, arranging a song and it's starting to happen and I'm hearing stuff, then I typically would save that for Iced Earth. Because um, Hansi's the, the magic ingredient there, you know right. what I mean? That's, that's what he brings to, you know, because if you really just were to strip off the vocals, it's really not that different from Iced Earth, but it's what Hansi brings from a vocal, from his way of doing vocal cadences and melodies and the harmonies that he comes up with. And we work on the lyrics together a lot, but I mean, that that's what makes the Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that yeah. chemistry. So I kind of stay out of the vocal melody and cadence thing when it comes to Demons and Wizards because if I did, it would just be Iced Earth in a way with another singer. <laughs> right. You know, so that's the thing. And, and that's another thing that's really cool about having Stu on board is that he's very capable of coming up with really cool vocal melodies and stuff. So that is an extra weapon in our arsenal that we haven't really had. He's great at hooks, you know. Mm -hmm. And we worked on some of that stuff together. We worked on a lot of the lyrics together. But he was a big help to me in that because most of that weight's been on my shoulders in the past. So, um, you know, I mean, everybody's got their talent. Some people are really strong at this. Some people are strong at that. Matt delivered some amazing lyrics and stuff. It was a great performer. I mean, you can't, you know, it's kind of in a, many ways very similar to what Stu is like because they have a background. Both of those guys were in drama in high school. Mm -hmm. So they learned how to act. And that's really important in a band like Iced Earth to, because it's a roller coaster ride of emotions. Mm -hmm. The vocalist has to be able to deliver the mood of the song. And sometimes that means overacting and getting kind of mushy and a little bit corny. <laughs> and we try to draw them back right, right before it gets to that point. But because you're not seeing the actor, you're listening, sometimes you can, you know, and they understand that. And Stu gets that as well. So he's got, you know, he's, he's a, an amazing guy to work with. And in many ways reminds me of Matt as far as his work ethic and, you know, willing to try everything and easy to produce and, you know, just uh, great to work with. You can't really ask for a better, a better attitude, and so I mean that's what's that's one of the things that's really cool. So, you know, those the Sons of Liberty. That's a, that's another thing. I mean, you know, that's uh, it was my first attempt at singing, and, and I've got another um, an EP coming out in December, and it's just about the message. That's all it's about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just to try to, to be a wake up call for people and to hopefully get them to inspire them to like research things and to turn off the television and really you know, study some history, real history, and right. learn about the fraudulent financial system and, and <laughs> why it's at the root of everything that we've got that's fucked up in this world. And I mean, that's the whole idea behind Sons of Liberty. So I kind of put it out there. It's pretty much a glorified demo. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of money on it and gave it away for free for a year online. And, uh, you know, I think it's doing some good. A lot of people have copied it and it's caused kind of a movement in cool. some way. So it's cool. Very but that's cool. a different thing, you know. Right. <clears throat> Okay. And how important is branding in music? I mean, Iced Earth is such a potent band or brand in the end, no matter who's, who you have around you. How important was it to you to build that brand up so that people recognized what you were all about? Um, well, I, I don't know. I never really looked at it like that. Um, it's just Iced Earth is, has always just been a vehicle for my songs. And we've gone through some, you know... 
people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes and right. how, how things work and how, how brutal the early years were for this band in terms of even just keeping it together because of the brutal financial situation you're right. under. I mean, it's not, we've never been a band that's reached, uh, you know, an Iron Maiden type of status or the big guys, you know, where you got the big budgets for everything. And so, you know, we're a moderately successful band and I hope we can take it further, but we have a, uh, we have a loyalty thing from mm -hmm. fans that's just incredible, and I'm really grateful for it because, you know, I think it's because the people know it's genuine. The people mm -hmm. that really follow the band and really pay attention, they know it's coming from a real place, and that creates a loyalty. I mean, there's no bullshit here. I don't play games. When I talk to people, I talk to them straight. What you see is what you get. There's mm -hmm. no other side to me. I'm not a plastic guy putting on a front <laughs> and then somebody else. I am who I am wherever the fuck I go and at every time of the day. Right. So... I think that actually people appreciate that honesty and, you know, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of, a lot of, uh, upheaval and a lot of changes through the years. And, you know, I think it's growing pains. It's just the situation that it is. And, you know, yeah, everybody looks to me like I must be the biggest prick in the world to work with, or a lot of people do. <laughs> and, you know, maybe sometimes I have been, but I actually also know what the fuck I want. Right. And that's, that intimidates and freaks people out a little bit. So... You know, it kind of depends on what type of personality you have as to how you will gel with somebody like me who's very right. focused and, and who, you know, kind of has this big picture view of everything. You know, it's just a, it's a different, it's a different thing from a lot of people. I just, right. You know, I'm just very driven. And I know <laughs> but I treat people very fairly, you know, anybody mm -hmm. who says different, I would challenge them to that. The guys in the other band, that was <clears> the first thing that they said was out of all the bands that we've ever played with ice earth is the first one that's treated us fairly no, so cool. right off the bat yeah. it was the first thing that that they mentioned so yeah. and i've talked to john on several occasions and he doesn't hold shit back with me so yeah. <laughs> no problem at all um also a lot of people don't realize that musicians are people after all so what goes on behind the scenes you, me, everyone else, you know, we go through the same shit all the time. So even if someone leaves a band or whatever, doesn't mean that you're a prick per se. Right. There may be a situation where you perceived whatever, but in the end, you know, people don't understand shit. Maybe people don't like touring anymore. Maybe yeah. people have... Well, it's a, it's a constant battle, dude. Yeah. I mean, I've been fucking slamming my head against a brick wall for 20-some years now. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, and you got to wonder at something. And that's really kind of after... After the 9-11 thing happened and all that, that, that was a very uncertain period to, for the band, even for me, because I was fed up. I was fed up from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. from the whole, from dealing with management, from trying to get proper support tours to whatever. There's so much politics and so much shit behind the scenes that goes on in this business people have no fucking clue about. Because right. people fall in love with an illusion. That's it. Yeah. Music business is all about illusions. The only thing real about any of this is the songs, mm -hmm. where they come from. From that point on, people create their own illusions about how politics work within the band, who does what in the band, what their role is. Yeah. And I don't deal with the illusionary world, man. I'm yeah. in the fucking real world. I'm, I'm fighting in the trenches for Ice Earth every day of my life, every mm -hmm. fucking hour of every day. So I don't, you know, when the fans go off in illusionary world and talk about shit that they have no clue about, it's like, I can't control it, so I don't really care what they say. Right, right, right. I move forward with, with what it is that, you know, I have to do to keep this band alive and thriving and and uh, and still significant. I mean, if there comes a point where I really feel like I don't have anything to say as a writer anymore, then it's over. I'm done. Right. Because 
I don't care about the rock star bullshit. I, I use my guitar only as a tool to create songs with, and the band is the vehicle for that. And if that comes to an end where I feel like I'm, I've kind of said my piece, mm -hmm. then Eister is finished. You know, but I, I don't see that coming anytime soon. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you always hear about actresses insuring their legs because that's their, you know, that's their bread and butter. If you would have to insure anything, I would assume it would be your right hand because of the distinct technique that you've developed over the years. What brought you to develop your playing style? Man, it just happened, actually. I don't really know um, because I had never spent any time playing other people's music. It was just a thing that developed. I just like, I'm a rhythm guy. Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, that's what I am. You know, it's like the whole, to me, the whole thing is all about the rhythm and um, and it's just, it's a, it's aggressive, you know, it's like a, it's a, I, I fucking, when I, when I'm in a zone, it's like, I'm, my whole spirit is in it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, and it's a, it's a, a very aggressive, it takes it out of me. I mean, you know, it's not a muscular thing. I don't think it's a, I don't really know what it is. You know, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just, it just happened. It's like, it just started and it just, you know, I know, I know on, it must be on some, some subconscious level that I'm become, being influenced by Steve Harris because He's like the guy that I right. looked up to when I was a teenager and stuff, and still do to this day. So it has to be that you know some of those gallops that he's doing on the bass, or I'm doing it on the guitar. But how right. how the the precision thing and and all that happened, I don't know. I mean, I don't sit around and practice with a metronome. I hardly ever get to play my guitar because I'm doing <laughs> everything else that is involved with right. ice earth. I mean, I'm, you know, it's kind of and people, you know, a lot of people just don't understand that. But it's it's just if. Uh, if it comes down to dealing everything with the business part of stuff with it, which is, uh, it's a pain in the ass because it's, it, it, there's the battle of the guy, the artist guy that lives inside and the mm -hmm. business guy that lives in, they both live in here and sometimes it's a, it's a conflict right. and it makes me probably sometimes an asshole because I have to switch modes a lot. But then, you know, it even comes to the, to the, the create all the creative stuff from the t-shirts to the, to the stage design to whatever. And it's not that other people don't have any ideas. It's just that I, people look to me mm -hmm. because I do you know right so it's it's uh, one of those things man so it, it, I'm dealing with a lot of shit all the time and my guitar gets a lot less of my attention than I would like but that's the role I play you know that's the that's my that's my gig okay and we've touched on 9-11 a bunch of times um Glory's Burden for me is a very important album because I witnessed 9-11 mm -hmm. I was about 100 yards away and saw that second plane hit Wow. And as we're saying this, it's up here repeating. Yeah. Um, obviously, When the Eagle Cries is a very important and emotional song for me. Mm. And that song for me was sort of the part of the healing process. Right. I've always looked towards music to get out of rough spots and whatever. And I want to thank you for writing that song. And, Welcome. you know, obviously I was 100 yards away. I wasn't in there. I thank God didn't see anyone jump off of buildings or anything, but... Those images are burned in, in your mind. Um, around that time period, slightly before that, was the first time I ever took a trip out to Gettysburg. Wow. So, um, so it was sort of a combination of yeah. two very important things. And every time that I go back to the States to visit my folks, they're in New Jersey. So I go out to Gettysburg. I take the three-hour uh, yeah. trip along. And that piece of music to me out of all the music that's come out in the last X amount of years, to me, stands up there. And every time that I go there, 
You know, I think of what I saw in 9-11, and I try to rationalize what the soldiers saw at Gettysburg, what it must have been like. You know, I saw what took place, but imagine what it was like for three days to see yeah, the horror yeah. and no to see that. So, you know, I saw like maybe 1% of what these poor soldiers were seeing, right. you know? So it's always been both of those pieces of music have been very, like, emotionally attached to me because of that. And, um... That's awesome, man. That's actually why I wore the uh, Abraham Lincoln shirt. <laughs> but, um... What drew you into the Civil War specifically? I've seen the DVD. I've seen what you had going with the shop and everything else. Out of all the wars that are out there, World War Two, World War One, why the Civil War? Well, it's always been for me as a kid. The American Revolution was the number one. Okay. And uh, and I think it's because of what the ideals were for the United States when it was founded, and not what it's become because it's become a tyrannical fucking. It's, it's become King George the Third. Right. And it's time for the people to change that shit. Um, but the uh, and you know the. The Civil War was the second war of independence, and unfortunately, the good guys lost as far as I'm concerned. And people can argue that and say that they say that it's about slavery, and that's bullshit. It was not about slavery. Yeah. <laughs> it's about exactly what we have today, which is a criminal, out of control federal government that is trampling on the rights of the people, not only in our own country, but all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, that's, and that's the problem, you know, I see that with, uh, with the U.S. right now and where we're headed is that we're, uh, we're, we're going to push us into another civil war or a revolution, and just because we have a revolution doesn't mean it's going to end well. Right. You know, so we got to get the American people to wake the fuck up and to reconnect with what it means to be an American and back to the ideas of, of liberty and prosperity and freedom and peace and these things. You know, that mm -hmm. the founders really were. You know, they weren't perfect, man. I, you know, I realize that it's a complex situation, but right. the idea of America is is a human idea. It's not. It's, it's the idea of being free and mm -hmm. just being left alone and not having a tyrannical government which is controlled by a bunch of criminal elitists and monopoly men, mm -hmm. you know, divide and conquer the people. And that's, you know, it was about money. It was about honest money. And, and you know, the, the, South, the South knew this was coming. You know, it was, they just, uh, the system has made the slavery thing a big issue after the fact. So, right. you know, um, I mean, I know, like, before, like, my... I think one of the things about the Civil War that I find so fascinating is just that it's so, like, it's, it's one thing to think about fighting a foreign enemy, but when you think about your own countrymen, then it makes it that much heavier and that much yeah. more emotional, you know. And in a similar way, you know, many of the people were reluctant to, to fight against the British because they were British by yeah, extension, yeah, yeah. you know. So it's, I think that's, there's sort of a, uh, uh, an extra tragic quality there and a very human thing that draws me to those those periods of history, but I, since I was a little kid, I was just fascinated with the American Revolution. I don't know why, but it's been in me since I was like six, seven years old, and and it really, as soon as I could learn how to read, I was reading everything huh. I could get my hands on about Washington and Jefferson and Franklin and all those guys, and and I think that, you know, the, the there's a big connection between the American Revolution and the Civil War, for mm -hmm. sure. Right. And, uh, and, and that's probably why that period of history, and, and frankly, I was trapped in that period of history most of my life. I mean, I didn't really, I didn't know about the Federal Reserve. I didn't really, I didn't realize, you know, being romantically attached to that, you know, that early American right. history, how out of control this country has actually, or our, you know, the United States has actually right. become. And so that's, you know, 
that's me being ignorant actually and being having too much faith into in the original founding ideals not realizing that the system puts that up like it cares about it but they don't give a shit about it they yeah, stomp yeah. all over the constitution bill of rights every day I mean, yeah. as well. it's in a fucking shredder you know so you know but the people are waking up and um, are communicating and even though the system is doing something like in the in, for, in the instance of the tea party movement they try to call them all racists and right wing you know fascists and blah 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 they're doing the same thing with the occupiers, saying they're communists and socialists and blah, and all this <laughs> shit. But the people are talking. You know, yeah. now you're going to have assholes in both groups for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the people know that it's a fraudulent monetary system at the root of both of those. I mean, the Tea Party was founded from Ron Paul supporters, not from neocons, mm-hmm. not from Fox News. They tried to hijack it, and they did to some extent. Right. But it's the exact same fucking thing they're doing to Occupy. And I think it's just great if the people just get together and talk and turn the fucking television off. Mm-hmm. And then we can turn something around. You know, we unite under the under the same principles. We're never going to agree on everything and we don't have to. Yeah, yeah. But if we don't have honest money, we're fucked. I mean, it's that's it. And, we, and the whole world has been sucked into this paper Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. And it has allowed the empire to grow and the fucking fraudulent wars to take place. And it's... Only for the control of, and the, and the, uh, by the manipulation control and the benefit of a very small group of people. Yeah. And that's what the people need to realize and focus on. Realize they've been deceived and suck it up and be man enough to stand up and face it. Because it's, or woman enough, you know. But right, it's, right. it's like people need to just realize, hey, you know, we're not really, the, the conspiracies are real. It's something human beings do. They have done many, many times through history. Why should we be naive enough to just... Right. Just because the, t- the little magic picture box that we call a television tells us everything <laughs> is okay doesn't mean it's fucking true. <laughs> it's worse over here. Is Holy it? shit, is it worse? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, depending on who the government is, they control public TV. Yeah. So that's your first, like, two channels. And throughout the Bush years, it was brutal. I mean, I got to see Marines being burnt on TV. I got to wow. see all types of shit that I, I stopped watching Spanish TV altogether because wow. of that. And because it's it's all this fake bullshit facade, um, the government that's going <clears> to <throat> get thrown out now, basically, uh, was pretty much saying that, you know, oh, we hate Bush, we hate the U.S., blah, 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 it's that. But you go to Arlington National Cemetery, and the tradition is... Um, a foreign diplomat goes to the tomb of the unknown soldier and presents like a gift uh, because they're there to speak to whoever from the government. Mm-hmm. Well, for all those years that they were supposedly anti-Bush and whatever, there's a sword that's engraved uh, with the name of one of the vice presidents from the country here. Uh, there's some other medal as well for the same thing. So mm-hmm. for all this bullshit that they're saying, you know, it's not true and they're... Exactly what you're saying. They're keeping everyone in the dark, and yeah, it's divide and conquer. I mean, it's the same thing with. I mean, Bush is Obama is no different than Bush is no different than Clinton. These guys are puppets. They don't control anything. They are nothing but corporate spokesmen. That's it, and it's the same every fucking place. Yeah. So until the the, the real controllers can be taken out of power, we can't trust any of these. Companies. Greece just named the new president yesterday. He yeah. was the former head of their national banking system. Great. See, so that's like, you that's, know. see and, and that's. Yeah, I know. And, and that's and, what we're up against. And that's the thing. And the elections here are the 20th of November. And I look at these candidates, and it's like looking at a wall. They don't say anything. You know, yeah, right. it's. I think of, you know, I, I feel, and, and I'm not at your level because you live in a different world being a musician and stuff. Not a different world, but it's a different set of circumstances. Mm. But I look at these politicians. 
And I think if they fuck up, how does it, what repercussions do they have on, on themselves? You have to think of that. You know, you're talking about the band and how you make all these decisions. Whatever decisions you make come back and they affect, you know, the four other members of the band, mm-hmm. whatever. My crew, your people, crew, my management, everybody. Yeah. How many of these people that are in power throughout the world have that? You know, it's like a blank check. Where they're writing off and they're doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, actually, I don't think they even do whatever they want. I think they're just completely controlled. By, by the, the banks and... Yeah, by the, there's like a, you know, the Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg Group. I mean, these are real things. People can fucking, you know, smirk and say it's not. They're real. It's documented, historical right. fact. It happens. It's going on. I mean, there's footage of Hillary Clinton saying it's so great to, to have the council right down the street so we can... You know, we can find out what it is we're supposed to be doing in the State Department. They get their fucking marching orders from <laughs> unelected bureaucrats. Right. You know, these are these people are deciding world policy. It's like with the European Union. I mean, President of the Euro- European Union, was he elected? No. Yeah, it's a revolving it's a stooge that exactly, is put man. into place just, every so many and months. And, you know, there's a small clique of people and families, and it's, like I said, man, it's the same shit the American Revolution was fought over. And I don't think there's any, I, unfortunately... I don't know that there's a peaceful way to do this. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to say that, but I just think there's so much disinformation that so many people are apathetic. They don't give a fuck or they're just scared and they're afraid to speak out. They don't realize they actually have power and they do have a voice. And, you know, but they don't think it affects them. I think yeah, a lot of people are, are in the dark and say, hey, you know what? My life is great. I have a cell phone. I have a car. Right. And, you know, that's the only but, thing you know, I give it's, it's, the, it's the revolving, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just like a game of musical chairs. Your number may come up tomorrow. And, yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm a guy who, I hate injustice, man. I mean, I, I will spend the rest of my life fucking standing against this shit. And what, to whatever cost. You know, I'm going to speak out again. I'm not going to do anything violent unless somebody tries to hurt me or my family. Or if I actually see states really moving towards liberty and something's going to go down, then I'm ready. You know, right. but I, I know what side I'm going to stand on. But, you know, it's just at this point, we have to be calm and cool and we have to try to educate people and get them to, to snap out of it and realize that, that we don't have to live this way. We don't right. have to have these fraudulent wars. We don't have to have this tyranny in our lives. You know, we're, it's only there because we fucking allowed it to get out of control. And we do have the power to stop it. Right. So. Um, the last uh, Civil War tidbit. General Meade, born in Spain. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. You there? Yeah, what's up? Just seeing the... Oh, okay, you guys are there. Yeah. Yeah, born in the south of Spain, born in the name of the city is uh, Cadiz. His father was a like import-exporter type deal, and he moved to Philadelphia when he was uh, a kid. Really? I didn't yeah. know that, man. That's yep. cool. So, That's cool. Cool. John Leon said, I would not know anything about the Civil War that you didn't know. No, so. no, that's not true. You know, you can study you can study the Civil War all your life and not learn it all because there's so many different aspects. I mean, yeah. I always focused on, like, the battles and stuff. But, you know, if you just look at the social side of the Civil War, it's huge. You can spend your whole life studying that. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, your gear. Uh, what are you currently using for this tour? Obviously, you're using something... That you probably wouldn't be using in the states as far as your backline is concerned, but uh, not really. Um, I mean, oh, okay. different cabinets, Marshall, but they're Marshall cabinets. Okay, so just different, you know, ones that we got from Marshall that they supplied. Um, 
I use my Larry Groman, they're custom made heads. Okay. One of them is actually uh, down right now and has been sent to him to get worked on. Um, and that's that's really it. I mean, my guitar stable is Gibson Les Pauls, and I have an Explorer. I have a baritone for when we do End of Innocence. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I have a very simple rig, man. I don't use a lot of pedals and shit like mm -hmm. that. I just have a tuner. I have a, uh, um, a chorus pedal and a switch to switch between the channels on the heads. That's it. Okay. And as far as the guitars are concerned, are the pickups changed? Are they stock? Are they? Uh, it depends on the guitar. I, okay. I have my own signature pickups called the Ice Bucker, and I have that on uh, two of these guitars. Okay. But then, you know, there's it's, well, the way I approach it is if the guitar needs a different pickup, then I put it. Some of my guitars have uh, stock Gibson pickups, whatever they may be, if they're burst, burst buckers or classic 57s or whatever. If it sounds good, I leave it alone. Um, on my Explorer, I'm using a, uh, it's a Lindy, Lindy Fralin um, True 60, which I think is an RS Guitar Works signature, exclusive kind of thing that they did with mm -hmm. Fralin. And uh, I use that on the album. I used an unpotted one on the album, but live that's too too much feedback and stuff. So I had him pot one for me, and that's right. what I'm using now. It's a fucking great match for that guitar. So, you know, sometimes I've had to solder in like six pickups just to find the right one to match the wood, <laughs> right. the wood of that guitar. You know, it's a kind of, I used to get really anal about it, but so yeah, it just depends on the guitar. Okay. And how has your gear evolved over the years? You're saying it's simple. Have you pretty much kept it the yeah. same, but just try to look for better things to the, fit the, the parts? Or? No, I mean, it's the same. I mean, I've been playing Larry Groman's amps since, uh, oh, Burn Offerings album. But the, the <laughs> thing that we did on then, we were really getting too anal and trying, we did all these crazy miking techniques that really weren't necessary. Um, and... You know, I'm not really happy with the guitar sound on that in hindsight, but the but you know it it evolved and we realized that less is more and and then so like from Dark Saga on I've been really happy with my guitar sound. Like I said, the only difference is I used less gain on this album and and on like uh, Dark Saga and Something Wicked, there wasn't as much gain as there has been on Horso, Glorious Burden, and the last two you know Something Wicked big epic things. So okay. And um, if people want to keep up to date with what's going on with Iced Earth, where should they go? Uh, the best, probably the website, and then the, the Facebook page is very active. We have a guy that takes care of that and stays on. You know, there's a lot of interaction. I guess Facebook just shut down the discussions forum, so mm -hmm. there may be some kind of a, a discussion board on the website now. We're talking about that, but um, that's the place to get the, the most current news, I would say, the website and the Facebook page. Yeah, this is John Schaefer from Iced Earth, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
dare you to not be able to remember that chorus part. Always gets stuck into my head for days upon days. If not the chorus, the melody there is just so cool and it just keeps going on and on and on. So love that track. One of the best songs to come out in 2011, in my opinion. So is the album Dystopia. If you haven't checked it out, go out and get it. I actually picked it up on vinyl and um, it's absolutely great. Absolutely great album. And like I said, you know, a lot of diehards, uh, people that are much bigger fans than I just came up to me and said, you know, this album is just so good. This is what we've been waiting for the band to do for so many years. So it's cool that everyone feels that way. So I want to thank John for the interview. Also want to thank uh, Paco Fernandez, Paco Fernandez in English, uh, from Century Media for helping set the interview up. And definitely check Iced Earth out. You know, I never had a chance to see them live before. And now I understand why at every single festival that you go to, you see an Iced Earth shirt. Every concert you go to, you see an Iced Earth shirt. And there's a reason for that, you know. They bring it when they, you know, when they're live. And John is always smart enough to surround himself with great, great musicians. So there you have it. Anyway, want to remind you guys, go to the Twitter that is Mars Aries 2005 to find out who we're interviewing. Uh, go to the Facebook page, Facebook forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Go to markstriegelradio.com to check out the web stream that I help program. That is Stream A. Go to marsattacksradio.com to find out everything regarding the podcast, the radio shows, so on and so forth. And also, Check out castironring.com to check out all the latest podcasts from all of the podcasts that are involved in the Cast Iron Radio group there. So thanks to you guys for listening, and we're going to leave you with one more track off of Dystopia. I want to go with Days of Rage, a track that is really, really cool off of this album. And again, very, very strong album. Recommend you checking it out. Here it is, Days of Rage. See you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. (laughs) 